The views expressed in this program are those of the participants. There I stand on this platform. I stand for union. Union suits and union stations. For the little people. There's enough fresh air and sunshine in this great country of ours for everybody. And I'll see to it that you'll get your share. Welcome everyone. It is Thursday, May the 5th, 2022. I'm Bob Metz, and this is Just Right, broadcasting around the world and online. Join us for an hour of discussion that's not right-wing, it's just right. Fade into color, color into black and white. Under the bedclothes, everything will be alright. Well, that opening election speech by Yosemite Sam pretty much spells out the substance of what all the parties in the Ontario legislature advocate in their platforms. As I speak, the province of Ontario, Canada begins an election period for an election to be held June the 2nd, and the state of politics in Ontario is dismal indeed. So let me state right from the outset, for anyone still not aware of this, that I am a founding member and the president of the officially registered Freedom Party of Ontario. But if the mood of the populace is anything like what we'll be sharing with you today, freedom's prospects right across the board are very dim indeed, and as I've learned, this has two diametrically opposite effects on freedom-loving individuals. Either they get kind of depressed, overwhelmed, and withdraw from the struggle required by eternal vigilance, or, if they're a little more like me, they get more motivated and inspired by the challenge of resisting the enemy, as we shall continue to do right after our reminder that you can write us at feedback at justrightmedia.org. Hear us on WBCQ and on Channel 292 Shortwave. Follow and like us on your favorite podcast platform and visit us at justrightmedia.org where you can access all of our social media links and archived broadcasts. As always, your financial support is appreciated and is what makes this show possible. No sooner had the Ontario election kicked off before we received this symbolic and sadly representative feedback from a member of the public who identified himself as Farmer B. And I have, as is our custom, merely referred to the first initial of his last name. And Farmer B's subject heading in the email sent to Freedom Party read, quote-unquote, jokes. (laughs) Now, usually when someone puts something similar to that in the subject header, There are some actual jokes in the content of the email, and I often get a pretty good chuckle out of most of them. So when I went to check out what the jokes brought to our attention were, here was the short message received, and I quote, I have second-hand embarrassment from reading your party's election platform. You guys are joking, right? We live in one of the best countries in the world. Get out of here with your freedom garbage. Facts, evidence, propaganda. I don't think you know what those words mean. Parties like this are what are dividing our world, even though you claim it's everybody else. Don't know who I'm voting for yet, but it certainly won't be the Freedom Party, end quote. And the word Freedom Party, he wrote with every other letter, alternate, lower and upper case. But of effort went into that. 
Now, usually it would be easy to simply dismiss a comment like that because comments like that aren't really worthy of a response. But as true as that may be, to continually dismiss irrational rhetoric like this is part of what has led to our moral crisis of the day, about which more will be expanded upon as the show progresses. So instead of dismissing Farmer B, I took him seriously. I responded thusly. Hello, Farmer B. Thank you for taking the time to write Freedom Party with your concerns. Unfortunately, you've addressed no particular or specific Freedom Party issue with which you apparently disagree and to which we might have been able to respond. By attacking the messenger instead of the message, you have placed us in a position where we're only able to address your own comments as you have presented them to us. Freedom garbage? Since freedom means having the right to choose and to be free from the coercion of others, why do you consider this concept to be garbage? What is it that you prefer, if not freedom, the very value that, as you say, made Canada one of the best countries in the world? Freedom Party believes that the purpose of government is to protect individual freedom of choice, not to restrict it. This philosophy is based on a sound philosophical grounding, explicitly applying the fundamentals of metaphysics, epistemology, ethics, and politics. Freedom Party statement of principle reads that every individual in the peaceful pursuit of personal fulfillment has an absolute right to his or her own life, liberty, and property. One wonders if, in believing freedom to be garbage, quote-unquote, the pillars of truth, right, and justice upon which freedom rests, and upon which Freedom Party's 2022 platform is based, are also considered to be garbage. As to the difference between fact, evidence, and propaganda, Freedom Party's archive offers all the facts and evidence one could possibly need to distinguish truth from the propaganda against which we have been fighting. For the record, here's a fact, quote-unquote, that never changes throughout history. Those against freedom support tyranny. Since all the other political parties are moving in that direction, you can at least take solace in the fact that in rejecting Freedom Party, you have a litany of choices from which to choose. It seems to me that anyone who would say, get out of here, quote-unquote, with your freedom garbage, quote-unquote, is certainly not someone seriously concerned with what is dividing our world, quote-unquote. Indeed, it's evidence of the very intolerance and refusal to have a conversation that is the cause of much division. You may wish to consider the possibility that the embarrassment you are experiencing is not so second-hand as you suggest, and that the joke is on you. Thanks again for writing and for giving us an opportunity to defend freedom against its foes. Now, amazingly, I got a reply from him just this past Monday, and it read, quote, L-O-L, end quote. <laughs> you know, I hadn't thought of that argument before. Brilliant, unassailable, how thought-provoking. <laughs> Methinks he doth protest too much. What makes letters like this so fascinating to me is the challenge of answering the question, why did this person take the time and effort to even make a comment like this? Yes, of course, to insult us and to do the usual ad hominem, but why pick on a David instead of a Goliath? I think the letter itself offers us some clues. Why would the writer express embarrassment, quote-unquote, over a political platform based on truth, 
rights, justice, and freedom. Of course, what he's really trying to say is that we should be embarrassed for daring to speak out in favor of freedom. You know, our freedom garbage. Obviously, someone who's been reading and absorbing the propaganda he claims to be so concerned about. And when he says parties like this are what are dividing our world, even though you claim it's everyone else, what he's really confessing to is that the truth identifies the liars among us, and that the division he's referring to has been with humanity since the dawn of our species. It's always been collectivism versus individualism, even if they didn't know those terms. The defining characteristics of distinguishing what we call left from right. But to blame quote-unquote parties like this, referring to Freedom Party, as being the cause of the world's divisions, you know, that's kind of an unintended compliment, reflecting the writer's belief that Freedom Party has that kind of influence or power. I only wish it were so. You know, it's reminiscent of the false belief that parties like Freedom Party split the vote on the right. Yeah, that's another one of our divisive characteristics, don't you know? But our splitting the vote on the right is yet another one of those beliefs that just ain't so. If anything, it's more like the other way around. Like this guy phoning into an open-line talk show during the last provincial election and who came to see Doug Ford as his salvation against the policies of Kathleen Wynne, the previous liberal premier. Uh, Todd, what do, what do you think of Doug Ford? disappointed when he got elected, but I just don't like being told what to do. There we go. I was leaning, I was leaning Freedom Party just because like I want to exercise my right, but yeah, you know what? I'll vote for him. There we go. Appreciate the call. And that's more the reality of the situation. Everyone compromises on their own principles, even principles they openly declare to hold by voting for the lesser of a given political evil. Get out of here with your freedom garbage. You know, when somebody says that, it sounds to me like someone who is in terror, unable to confront something he labels and dismisses as garbage. What is it they're all so afraid of? If we're spreading disinformation, then why not accept the myriad of open debate opportunities extended to the fact-checkers, quote-unquote, by the people being accused of spreading the disinformation? You know, that never happens. Never. And why? Because the left, in all its manifestations, simply cannot win an intellectual, moral, factual, or truly scientific debate. Everything the left represents defies those attributes. That's what defines the left. So their only recourse is to censor, dismiss, avoid, spread false news and disinformation, issue mandates, enact lockdowns, make ad hominem attacks, everything except debate or discuss, in the hopes that they can still continue to fool enough people enough of the time to pull off their great reset agenda. You're dividing us. You know, that's what people say who are unaware of or in denial of the already ever-existing divide in human affairs. In political terms, it's been described as left and right. In moral terms, as evil versus good. In religious terms, as Satan versus God. Or in terms of governance, tyranny versus freedom. Or in personal terms, as wrong versus right. Facing up to those polarities can be a divisive experience because that's the nature of polarity. Polar opposites. Two sides. you got to make a choice. You hate it, don't you? Because you have to accept the responsibility 
for that choice. Speaking out against all of this tyranny has a serious cost. Just ask Randy Hillier, Ontario's elected former PC, but now independent MPP, who has been completely banned from participating in the parliament to which he was elected. And he's been arrested for participating in public protests against the mandates and lockdowns. And now he's had his free speech limited to the point where he's not legally permitted to voice his opinions in certain forums and on certain subjects. They're planning to drag him in front of the court for years, just one of the many ways to silence a debate that should instead be raging. More on that later in the show, but first, what Hillier had to say in his March 3rd announcement should be heard by everyone, because his experience and observations are symbolic of the entire global pandemic and of the state of politics in Ontario and in Canada generally. Some profound observations and a profound decision made by Ontario MPP Randy Hillier early in March. And I think you'll understand what I mean when you hear this. My name is Randy Hillier. I'm the independent member for the Ontario Legislature representing the riding of Lanark Frontenac in Kingston. I've got an important message for today. A message that will be greeted with sadness by some and that will be greeted with glee by others. I've been an elected member for 15 years. I've been successful in four elections. I've had the support of the people of Lanark Frontenac for 15 years, often with very substantial majorities. And in the last few years, especially since I came out opposing the narrative that we were living in the most dangerous times of COVID that warranted the destruction of our representative democracy, warranted states of emergency and the suspension of civil liberties, the trampling of our charter protected rights and freedoms. I have been offside with public opinion. Many people in the public clamored and encouraged our governments to take these excessive measures to allay their fears, to allay the anxiety. We have, in effect, been ruled by the mob for the last couple of years. And I don't see that ending anytime soon. And as part of that, I have been condemned by a number of municipal councils in my area. Condemned because I dared have a different view, a contrary view, a view that the virus did not require us to trample our Charter of Rights and Freedoms, did not require us to close up our businesses, our schools, our health care, that these were all unnecessary. And the facts and evidence have borne this out. Every measure that we've taken has had limited or no effect, beneficial effect, on the spread of the virus. Everything that we have done has caused far more harm, far more injury to far more people than what the virus ever could. 
But because I had this dissenting view and was willing to share it and be public and to be vocal about this, it wasn't just municipal councils that condemned me. It was not just the media parrots who condemned me, but also the Ontario legislature has condemned me now on two occasions. The last one has now taken the never-before-seen action of actually preventing me from being in the legislature and representing that point of view or my constituents' point of view or my constituents who share my view, which is a substantial number. The Speaker has been authorized not to recognize me, not to permit me to table motions or order paper questions. The, the House has authorized the Speaker to prevent me from asking questions or attending committees. And this is all apparently now because of some tweets that I put out. And let me be very clear on this. I stand by those messages. I don't stand by the lies that have been attributed to those messages. I don't stand with the exaggerations and the embellishments that people have taken liberty with, with those tweets. I've stated quite clearly that if people are upset with our institutions and our government, they should feel free to contact those institutions and our government and express their displeasure. That is what a civil society does. That's what a democracy does. But I have been condemned for saying just that. For 15 years, it's been a very much a roller coaster being in political life. I have had the great pleasure of assisting so many people, assisting and helping out and speaking out for those who are facing the injustice of government has been a absolutely rewarding time. However, with public life, with partisan politics also comes the the negative, and that is the actual partisan politics, where political parties and members of political party do not make choices and decisions based on what is beneficial to our constituents. Political caucuses make choices and decisions based on what is beneficial for the political party. Make no mistake, no mistake whatsoever. At no time does a political party recognize the interests of their constituents when they decide how they will vote on a policy or what policy to bring in. It is done solely and only to the benefit of the political party. Our political system is dysfunctional. It is not a representative democracy. At best, it may be considered a stakeholder or corporate democracy, in my view, because corporate interests, stakeholder interests in the party 
are what drives the agenda. And we saw this during the recent Freedom Convoy in Ottawa, where Justin Trudeau needlessly and recklessly instituted the Emergencies Act, where he sent a convoy that was protesting COVID policies, a convoy and a protest of people who were festive, who were having fun expressing their dissatisfaction. A protest where there was bouncy castles and hot tubs and pancake breakfasts was characterized by our Prime Minister as an insurrection and an attempt to overthrow the government. I was there for three weeks. Not once did I see any violence. Not once did I see any aggression. And now, a few weeks after implementing the Emergency Act and the abusive, violent use of force by police to remove that protest, not one charge has been levied other than public mischief. There have been no charges of criminality. There has been no seizure of firearms or body armor. All the charges have been public mischief, to the best of my knowledge. That we use the Emergency Measures Act for. But also during that debate on the Emergency Act, 338 elected representatives voted and they voted in favor. But what was interesting, not one of them voted against their party line. Not one of them had the courage or the resolve or the intellect to do other than what their party directed them to do. These are not constituent representatives. These are party representatives. They are representatives of the stakeholders or the corporate interests. They are not representatives of the people in their writings. In my view, I've come to the conclusion that there is not a political solution to what ails our society. The division, the polarization, the animus, the censorship, the suppression of views, these will not be fixed politically. Indeed, as I speak, our federal government is enacting even further legislation to restrict political opposition, to censor views, to criminalize opposing views. I'll go back and say, what ought to be clear to everyone, what is clear to me, is we use the term leaders to describe politicians, but politicians are not leaders. They follow public opinion. They follow, they do not lead. We've seen this very clearly in the last couple of years, that politicians are too fearful to speak truthfully and honestly with the people in our country. They're too fearful and cowardly to have an opinion that goes against the mainstream narrative. They cannot defend anything other than what the narrative is. I know many people in elected office who shared and share my views with 
shared my views that COVID was not as dangerous as it was purported to be, that the, that the danger was exaggerated. But they didn't speak out. They were dishonest to themselves. They were dishonest to the people in their communities. They were fearful of being removed from caucus. They were fearful of being scorned by the media. We are living in a dishonest age where honesty is, where honesty has no value anymore, where dishonesty is the currency of politics. The only solution, the only way that we can ever get back to a free and prosperous country, a country that does have a representative democracy, a country that does respect the rule of law, human rights, our civil liberties, our charter of rights and freedoms, is if we re-engage with people and help shape public opinion, help people understand the value of freedom. On June 2nd, I will not be contesting for the seat of Lanark Frontenac Kingston. Our political system is broken. There is no sense spending any more time trying to fix a broken system from within when the problem lies without. I'll continue to be outspoken and I'll continue to be a voice for freedom. And I look forward continuing to work with so many good people who do recognize the danger and look forward to working with them as we help shape public opinion, help restore the, the view and the understanding that freedom, healthy discussion, debate will bring us prosperity, will bring us enjoyment, and will end this age of dishonesty that we have embraced in Canada and Ontario today. I hope you enjoyed this message. Please feel free to share and comment. And share it we just did with more yet to come. And what Randy just said describes perfectly the political environment in which this current political election is being conducted. And yes, he's just right in saying that the only way back to a free country is if we re-engage with people and help shape public opinion, help people understand the value of freedom. Hey, that's the whole point of this show. But even though Randy said he's come to the conclusion that there's no political solution, I think it was clear that this was said in the context of the political parties currently sitting in Canada's parliament and in Ontario's legislature. And of course, based on the mindset of the public right now. Because after all, once enough people come to understand and appreciate the value of freedom, the next step by necessity, as always, is the political action required. Which is why the political effort is so necessary, especially at a time when the open contempt for individual freedom has never been higher in this country. And which is also probably why, just a week or so ago, Randy Hillier sent out this letter, and I quote, In the next week, the Ford government will table a budget and issue the election writ 
for the upcoming June 2nd provincial election. Also next week, I will appear in Ottawa court to appeal my bail conditions that prohibit me from speaking on the most important public policies of our time. As you may be aware, not only was I arrested for my words and actions in defense of freedom, unwarranted bail conditions were imposed upon my release. These actions are a continuation of the relentless attempts by governments and bureaucrats to silence the most outspoken political representative who was also censured and prohibited from speaking in the Ontario legislature. I'm also facing 25 provincial offenses in court for organizing and promoting our many No More Lockdowns rallies over the past two years. Bill 100 was passed last week, which entrenches the authoritarian practices of arbitrary seizure and forfeiture of assets if you protest government policies. This was a feature of Justin Trudeau's Emergency Act invocation in February 2022 and is now being made permanent in Ontario. With all parties supporting this without a recorded vote, Ontario is now the essence of a communist regime. Although communist regimes are generally limited to only one political party that deprives people of choice and options, Ontario has four political parties that offer nothing but the same old status quo. And then under provincial election, he writes, The Conservatives are framing the ballot question as it would have been much worse had the Liberals or NDP been in power. It is a disingenuous and false narrative as we saw political parties of all stripes across our country adopt identical policies during the last two years. The Liberals want to ban handguns and believe it's their turn to fleece taxpayers and fill their own pockets as Doug Ford has done for the last four years. The NDP wants to provide free contraception to everyone and redistribute your wealth to their coffers and friends. The Greens believe they need to be in power because they haven't learned how to accept bribes and payoffs as well as the other three. (laughs) I strongly encourage everyone to look into and consider supporting any independent or alternative candidates that are running in your local area. End quote. Now that letter was written before Hillier's appearance in front of that Ottawa judge, and note how he phrased his endorsement as, quote, I strongly encourage everyone to look into and consider supporting any independent or alternative candidates, end quote, without actually naming any of them. Well, there might be a reason for that. The conversation you are about to hear is one small but relevant portion of a much longer discussion between David Anber, Hillier's lawyer representing him before that judge, and lawyer David Freiheit, as heard on his Viva Fry show of April 28th, immediately after Hillier's court experience. I drove to Ottawa to see um, Randy Hillier's bail. I don't know if it was a rehearing, an appeal, a contestation. David, sir, how goes the battle? Going well. How does it feel coming home after you have your heart and soul ripped out of you in real time by a judge who says, I've heard what you have to say. I'm not even deliberating. Dismissed. I'm going to tell you this, Amber, I'm not going to be hard on you. People might think I'm being hard on you. You never stood a chance today. And it was through no fault of your own. It's the circumstances. You made a valiant effort. But I thought the judge was going to say, no need to hear from the prosecution. Um, because th- okay, it was- so you, were, you were mentioning before that, you know, is this an appeal or a bail hearing? What was today was called a bail review and a bail review is like an appeal, only it's not quite an appeal. Basically, you can ask to change 
the result of a bail court decision. So in you know in some cases the bail court will deny someone's release and you can go to the bail review court to try and get the person released. That's what happened with Tamara Leach. In some cases, a person gets released and the prosecution wants that person to be detained and they'll go to the bail court to suggest that the person be detained. And then in a case like uh, Randy Hilliers, the person got released, but the conditions are what are at issue. One of the conditions for your, your viewers there was that Randy Hillier uh, consented to the condition that has been basically applied to everybody who's been charged as part of the Freedom Convoy, that being not to attend the downtown core of Ottawa except for legal meetings with their lawyers or court. So that was something that Randy consented to. Uh, like I said, it's a pretty standard condition in re relation to these charges. But we argued that there's no longer the need for that condition. And so we sought to have that reviewed on the basis that there's no longer a need for it. And then the uh, famous restrictions on his social media and on who he can support and what organizations he can support, uh, that being uh, he can't post and he can't support anything to do with anti-mandate, anti-vax, anti-mask causes. Uh, that was contested in the court below. It wasn't agreed to. And the Justice of the Peace below granted that request by the prosecutor. So we went today to have the judge uh, remove that. And um, as you've indicated, it did not go well for, for the defense. But the real contentious issue that I am still baffled that two levels of court have concluded what appears to be contrary to common sense is that the conclusion of both levels of court was that in order to prevent a substantial likelihood of Randy Hillier committing further offenses, he needed to be prevented from speaking on social media in favor of or supporting anti-mandate causes or groups. I have found in, in two years of looking at anything to do with COVID-19, all levels of the judiciary have been very uncomfortable with ruling in favor of anything that is against the government. And, and again, this is not a political party stripe issue. Okay, that you know there are there have been mandates by progressive conservative governments in Ontario. There have been mandates by liberal governments, uh, federal governments. There have been governments of all political stripes across the country, and this isn't not this isn't just Ontario either. But at every time I've seen a judge have an opportunity to restrain the government or to give effect to a criticism of the government. Uh, as it pertains to responses to COVID-19, the judiciary, in my respectful opinion, has been very uncomfortable with doing so and has not done so. And so, for example, this idea that Randy Hillier would want to speak out against uh, mandates, uh, to me, that's something that, that normally, in, in the normal world, would be given a lot more consideration as a, a matter of free expression. But it was essentially lumped in with the allegations they've made about Randy Hillier opposing other government measures in some provincial offenses prosecutions that he that he's facing. And so yeah. there just isn't there isn't an appetite I'm finding. And I find that quite disappointing from the judiciary to give any effect to arguments which seem to criticize government measures. And that, I think, is a fair criticism that can be made of the judiciary in Canada right now. Now, going to the restriction on free speech, mm -hmm. and we're going to, bearing in mind everyone watching, Randy Hillier 
above and beyond being a citizen who benefits from charter rights, is an elected member of provincial parliament who is, is, is as terms of his release. And I don't want anyone thinking that it's more offensive for Randy than it is for Tamara because she's just a lowly citizen and he's an MPP. It's shocking for both. Um, but one interferes with individual charter rights. The other uh, interferes with individual charter rights and the democratic process itself because Randy Hillier was elected. And they have tongue-tied him, restrained him to say, you can't make social media posts on vaccine mandate issues and face mask issues. And uh, that is shocking to me. And you, 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 so that was, that was the contested element that you were trying to get the judge to review or revise or, or you know, correct the uh, justice of the peace's lower decision. Mm -hmm. And the judge noted, well, Randy still benefits from, um, what was it called? Legislative privilege? What was the word he used? Yeah, I thought that that suggestion was a red herring and it, it didn't have any bearing on the legal issues. The Justice McLean kept bringing up that he has, I think, parliamentary privilege. Parliamentary privilege, yes. Where he can, he can still, he can, he can debate and speak out on vaccine passport issues, mask mandate issues in parliament. Randy Hillier is still allowed to speak on social media. He theoretically could speak on lockdowns. He theoretically could still speak on school closings. He theoretically could speak on the right to protest, uh, assuming it did, he does not speak about the right to protest vaccine mandates or mass mandates. If he speaks on social media about the, the right to, to freedom of speech, all of these things are still permitted. So it, like I said, I, I can't stop, get away from the point that it is rather absurd to say that he's allowed to do all those things and does not pose a substantial likelihood of reoffense but if you allow him to speak about mask mandates vaccine mandates or uh masks or vaccines as policies uh, or if you allow him to support an organization that that uh, is involved in that 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 somehow moves the needle to make him a substantial likelihood of a reoffense like, give me a break like there's there's no merit to that suggestion mike riendo the judge's opinion nullifies the entire concept of protest since protesting is intended to influence the opinion of the public it, it, it nullifies democracy because randy hillier was elected to express opinions not just in parliament to the people who elected him on matters of policy What do you mean Tinsley's going to stop the Clappets from making soap? I thought you contributed $500 to his re-election campaign. That's why he's doing it. <laughs> Miss Hathaway, get this jerk Tinsley on the phone for me. And when I stop him, I'll be home and talk to you. The chief. Don't chief me. Get him on the phone. Why, that cheap, double-crossing, two-bit ward healer. The, the, the chief. Show me this, Commissioner Tinsley, and I'll show you a fathead. I'm Commissioner Tinsley. <laughs> I'm a fathead. What's that? Oh, uh, Miss Hathaway was just showing me how well you'd look in a mustache. Quite coming. Erase this, Miss Hathaway. I'll come right to the point. I understand J.D. Clampett is a client of yours. He certainly is. Oh, I, I just remembered. I have here a uh, $600 contribution for your re-election campaign. 
Well, well now, that's very public-spirited of you, Mr. Brasile. Thank you very much. It's my pleasure. Now, I'm sure you want to forget all about the Clampets and this silly soap-making. Yeah. <laughs> no, I won't. What? Wait a minute, Commissioner. That's all I got to say. Goodbye. What, 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 what about my contribution? Oh, say thank you again. <laughs> you are listening to Just Right, broadcasting around the world and online. How interesting that a federal judge would note that Randy benefits from parliamentary privilege where he can speak on the prohibited subjects. But on the provincial level, Hillier was already prohibited from raising any issues in the legislature. Catch-22. They got him coming and going. And that is how elected officials who disagree with the unelected narrative are taken off the Democratic playing board. Bottom line, our politicians are using the whole COVID narrative as their justification to do just about anything they please at their whim. Right now, a great many Ontarians are completely suspicious about freedom, having been told for years that freedom stands in opposition to peace, order, and good government. Or worse, listen to what this sad specimen of a Canadian thinks about the freedom protesters in Ottawa. If you're going to protest something as nebulous as freedom, then you can't encroach on others. I'm not sure I understand. Is nebulous as freedom? Uh... The concept of a nebulous freedom. They don't have a specific title, a specific reason for being here. They're all over the place, and all they're doing is suppressing Ottawa residents, Ottawa businesses. We are being harassed and held hostage for their supposed encroachments on freedom. What does a single white man have to say to anybody about a bodily autonomy freedom? I'm not sure what race has to do with it. I didn't say anything about race. You said a white man. Single white man, sure, race. Okay, so I mean, what does race have to do with it when I look at people that are gathering here today it's right across the uh, multi-diverse spectrum? No more comments. Oh, okay then. Well, by the way, when it says convoy go home, didn't the convoy go home in February? They called it a convoy? It's a convoy. You mean the um, this gathering here? Is that a convoy? Please go away. Okay, then. No more comments. All right. but no more comments. It just seems to No be... more comments. Okay. No more comments. You can't articulate. No more comments. Wow. No more comments. Have I triggered you? No more comments. No more comments. No more comments. No more comments. It's like interviewing a no cult more machine comments. when your soda doesn't come no out. No more comments. She just... No more comments. It's... No more comments. It's like a... No more comments. A no more comments. And you think no that more comments. somebody is going no to more comments. go on a corner? Walk away. No more comments. Back away. No more comments. 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 I'm now interviewing aside. And there, ladies and gentlemen, is yet another manifestation of the get out of here with your freedom garbage attitude. 
Think about what she's admitting. To her, freedom is a nebulous concept, making very clear why Randy Hillier was quite correct in noting that we need to help people understand the value of freedom. But more than that, we need a clear definition of what freedom is. You know, as in absence of coercion, as in the right to choose, as an individual responsibility. The protesters in Ottawa aren't there to protest freedom. They're there to protest tyranny in all of its COVID forms, and they know that freedom is the antidote to that tyranny. Unfortunately, without a clear political alternative to bring a freedom option to the democratic table, that freedom might remain elusive for longer than they would like. Now here again is Randy Hillier. When our federal cabinet and our premier instituted policies that precipitated and created the Freedom Convoy, those policies that would prevent people, prevent truckers from traveling to the United States, picking up much needed commodities, necessities, including food, and we were seeing impacts of that. I put a message out. I put a press release out. I stated quite clearly that any government that would purposely put in place policies that would disrupt our food supply in the middle of winter must be considered terrorism. I said that is applicable to both Doug Ford, his cabinet, and Justin Trudeau in his cabinet. Not once did I mention the race, creed, color, ethnicity of any member in those cabinets. I said it was applicable to all of them. The mainstream media and my political opponents have suggested that I'm racist because I called Justin Trudeau and his cabinet terrorists. They have pointed out that there is an individual within that cabinet who is a Muslim, who, you know, there's many Muslims in Canadian society. There's many Muslims in um, the Ontario legislature and the, the federal parliament. I never once mentioned or identified anyone's ethnicity. In my view, everyone who impacts our food supply purposely is engaged in an act of terrorism. I stand by that. But for these reasons, and of course my opposition to the trampling of our civil liberties, and my outspokenness, I am no longer permitted to be recognized in the legislature, leaving the people of Lanark Frontenac without a voice in the legislature. Now, of course, our government in Ontario has started on this steps a year ago. In February of 2021, they implemented a mandatory mask rule that you could not go into the legislature without wearing a mask, even though the evidence was overwhelming that the mask had no impact on the spread of the virus. I refused, as I always have. I will not play this game, this dangerous game of fear, this narrative of danger that suggests and symbolizes that people are dangerous vectors of disease. It is wholly repugnant, this mandatory mask measure. It does nothing to stop the spread of the virus, but it does everything to amplify the falsehood of fear and danger. But that was not enough. 
for the Interior Legislature. In September of 2021, they also implemented a mandatory vax and test procedure for all members. If you were not vaxxed, they were not going to permit you to enter the house. They had one exception to that. If you wanted to engage and test with a test that we know is faulty, that by the government's own words, own statements, own evidence demonstrates that the both the rapid antigen test and the PCR test provide false positives. But they made a rule. If you took these tests, if you weren't vaxxed, they would permit you in under certain conditions. Again, this is a measure to amplify the fear, exaggerate the danger, and demonstrate to the fearful mob that our government is doing something when in fact they're doing the opposite of something good. They are engaged in negligent, dangerous behavior. This is Paul McKeever, leader of the Freedom Party of Ontario. Ladies and gentlemen, I write at the beginning of March 2022, almost two years after the Progressive Conservative government of Doug Ford declared a state of emergency and gave itself powers that it has kept to this day to lock down businesses, to impose mask mandates, stay-at-home orders, social distancing rules, and travel restrictions, and to impose all manner of coercive tactics to force people to take vaccines they did not want and to make proof of vaccination the price of your freedom. The Ford government has now decided to attempt to convince everyone that, quote, we're done, unquote, with measures such as masks. He does this even while simultaneously seizing the property of people who have participated in peaceful demonstrations against his government's COVID policies. He simply has no credibility anymore. Everyone in the world would love to forget about what has happened over the last two years and to look forward to other, better things and brighter days. However, to know where an arrow is flying, one must know where it has been. Short of that, one is making a stab in the dark. We will not reach brighter days if we turn a blind eye to the past several years, ignoring mistakes and injustices, and letting them go unrecognized and unremedied. We must get a firm grasp on the who, what, where, why, and how of the Ford government's response to COVID, including who was harmed and who took advantage. We must restore government's respect for every person as a thinking, choosing individual who is peacefully pursuing his or her own happiness. The newly elected government must remedy the injustices that were committed against individuals in the name of a collectivist, quote, greater good, unquote. And most importantly of all, Ontario's next government must make the changes necessary to ensure that injustices of the kind committed by the Ford government are never repeated, no matter what the nature of an emergency. There will, after all, be emergencies in the future, just as there have been in the past, whether they take the form of war, power outages, droughts, quote, climate emergency, unquote, or pandemics, etc. We must gain a better respect for the fact that it is during a time of emergency 
that people most need the rule of law. In other words, when we are frightened by sudden, rapid, and destructive changes, we need a stable, well-known, time-tested set of laws that have already been dispassionately evaluated, debated, and enacted by duly elected lawmakers at a time of relative calm. To suspend such sober and mature laws, to suspend the legislature, and to give the government power to make off-the-cuff, unprecedented, fear-guided orders with unpredictable effects is to suspend the rule of law precisely when it is most needed. The force of government must never be used in reaction to political poll results, but that is especially the case during an emergency. Doug Ford's PCs have shown how they, like the Liberals, NDP and Greens, will respond to any emergency. They have put the entire province on life support. We cannot afford to let them finish the job. On June 2, 2022, exercise your power to be free. Vote for your Freedom Party candidate. Fortunately, Paul is not as encumbered as Randy Hillier when it comes to endorsing his particular choice for freedom. The irony of this, of course, is that just a few years ago, Paul McKeever himself, as leader of Freedom Party, was legally prohibited under the Kathleen Wynne Liberal government from attending a Freedom Party fundraiser dinner or event. And when that happened, I openly declared Ontario to be a fascist state, and the media, of course, just yawned. Now, of course, Freedom Party is only fielding a handful of candidates relative to the major parties. That's nothing new for us. We've been aware of the political zeitgeist for decades, and until the enlightenment about individual freedom takes place, that Randy Hillier was talking about, expecting a free society to emerge out of a complete ignorance and fear of freedom is irrational. The political world in which we are engaged today is no longer one of debating peripheral socialist issues like free dental care or calling for higher minimum wages or even fighting taxes on the other side. What we're dealing with is kind of what people are calling an existential issue, all cloaked in the COVID costume. And a voting majority of the public is wearing that costume. It is their shield against individual freedom and responsibility. We have been moving rapidly away from freedom ever since I got involved in politics, and long before. And since the founding of Freedom Party, we have been sounding the alarm along with presenting an alternative wherever we could. And when we talk about a platform based on four pillars, truth, rights, justice, and freedom, we're contrasting that to a crumbling foundation of lies, compliance, injustice, and tyranny upon which the parties in the legislature operate. It has become glaringly clear that the current legislature has long-term plans for many more lockdowns, restrictions, and controls. They'll be justified by the manufactured political pandemic of the day. Climate change, virus variants, Ukraine, misinformation, the unvaccinated, the unmasked, truckers, bikers, and just about any narrative that distracts from the legislature's incompetence and tyrannical ideology. As Freedom Party leader, Paul McKeever warned in his leader's message we just heard, we will not reach brighter days if we turn a blind eye to the past several years, ignoring mistakes and injustices and letting them go unrecognized and unremedied. Sadly, we have a long way to go before establishing any meaningful way of holding politicians accountable to their constituents. As PC MPP Toby Barrett made clear in his blog of April 29th, quote, 
This is why Ontario's primary focus remains protecting people's health, and to make good on our promise to the people of Ontario, we will do whatever it takes to keep you safe, end quote. In other words, his government will do whatever it takes to deprive us of our freedom in the cause of safety, when it is freedom that should be any government's primary focus. Alarmingly, though not tabled due to the election, the Ontario budget, of which I have a copy, exposed plans for a nightmarish medical tyranny described with reference to the following specific terms. Get a load of this. N95 respirators, vaccine manufacturing, vaccination clinics, genomic vaccines, personal protective equipment and vaccines, healthcare solutions like vaccines, build up and help grow the sector and secure new investments in medicines and vaccine manufacturing, mRNA vaccines, increasing vaccination rates, isolation centers, COVID-19 vaccine program, vaccine distribution secretariat managing the pandemic, end quote. Is anyone noticing a pattern here? Or are we going to keep pretending that it's politics as usual? It continues, COVID-19 time-limited funding is projected to be $6.9 billion in 2022 to 23 with $2.8 billion funded through the time-limited COVID-19 fund and includes key additional investments such as an additional $210 million for the COVID-19 vaccination program, end quote. Well, I gotta tell you, it sounds like we're all in for quite a pharmaceutical future, doesn't it? To add insult to injury, Barrett made it clear that the current levels of government spending are neither sustainable nor desirable over the long term, but necessary. And as one would expect, the necessity of this unsustainable spending was squarely blamed on the global pandemic. And by the way, that, so lo- that so-called long run is not so long anymore. In the end, all the protesting and lobbying in the world will be to no avail against political interests who have their own agenda and the power to implement it. During this important election opportunity, if you have a Freedom Party candidate in your riding, you can vote for a political party that consistently puts freedom first and which has a history to prove it. And in the absence of having a Freedom Party candidate, you might want to consider the advice of Randy Hillier's early recommendation. And of course, you can always choose not to vote at all or decline your ballot if every option in your riding is unacceptable. All those choices to make. So, see you next week. Make it a point to be here, or you'll miss the next chapter of our journey in the right direction. And until then, be right, stay right, do right, act right, think right, and be right back here. We'll see you then. Fade into color, color into black and white. Under the bedclothes, everything will be alright. If you'll just give me a chance to see the commissioner again and bribe... I mean, discuss this. Sure. Drysdale, nobody hates feuding worse than I do. I tried to talk to him, but he wouldn't have no truck with me. I don't know what to do. He'll listen if our shotguns do the talking. (laughs) Granny, Mr. Clampett, if I may interpose a note of reason, in a democratic society, there are established ways to redress our grievances with public officials. I already gave him $600. (laughs) Referring to the ballot box. (laughs) Mr. Tinsley is running for re-election. I suggest you... Participate in the campaign and attempt to defeat him on election day. You mean me run for small commissioner? Well, actually, I meant... We know what you meant. It's Mr. Clampett's civic duty to run. And it's certainly better than feuding.
Isn't it, Miss Hathaway? Well, it ain't better, but at least it's some kind of a fight. Hold on now. Uh, I appreciate the thought, but an uh, old stump kicker like me couldn't win no election. Oh, nonsense. Even if you don't win, you'll have gotten your issue before the people. Yes, the right to make soap. 